Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use and make their lives better. Father, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. My prayer is they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, family, before we get into our first image and before we do our Bible confession, there was something that I, I wanted to tell you that slipped my mind. It's a, it's a Smith story, but it's a Wesley Chapel in the building Smith story. The other Sunday, I think it was last week, last week, last week, I'm getting mic'd up and I'm micing myself up. Okay, first issue probably, but I'm micing myself up. And when I'm micing myself up, I'm done. I think I, I think I, I didn't did this thing, right? And so I'm, I'm looking at Isaiah, and Isaiah looks at me, and he says, are you sure you want to wear your mic like that, Pastor? <laughs> now, he's told me two things in that one statement. The first thing he's told me is, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> the second thing he's told me is, may I help you out with that? Why do I bring that up? I love people that look after me, regardless of whether or not they feel it might ruffle my feelings a lot or not. You don't need people in your life to be yes people. Don't let me go up there with lettuce in my teeth and a boogie in my nose and ash on my elbows. Tell me before I get in front of folk. That's the kind of person I want on my team. It's the same thing in your life. You don't need people in your life just to tell you yes. Tell me if I'm jacked up. Tell me if I'm not doing it right. Tell me if I should correct my words. Tell me if I should get my stuff straight. Because the worst thing you can have is someone that'll let you fall in the ditch and they knew the ditch was there. That's not the kind of people you want in your life. So I salute my brother for telling me, I don't think that is the best setup for you. And in all seriousness, you know I'm serious. I do appreciate it. At all times, feel free to let me know if I'm going to a trap or if I'm going somewhere I shouldn't go. And you know what? If I say I'm going to do it anyway, you walk away with a clear conscience. And you just let me know when you're behind fall down. I might tell you I told you so, but I'll be there for you, Pastor. I'll be there for you. Bible confession, let's go. Say this with me, Femi. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation 
and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus name. Amen. A family, I told you that I was going to give you a quick snapshot of my family and what they were dealing with in the upstate New York snow. Here's your first image today. Just really not having much to, much to do with the message, but we're going to go ahead and show it to you. This is their first experience shoveling snow. And what, you know, these are Floridians. And they had a little glimpse of it initially where it was a little bit chilly, but they didn't have to deal with the snow because when they arrived, they arrived at the tail end of winter. So my, 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 my daughter, my son's, my son's wife, right there in the, in the upper right, that's her celebratory uh, expression after shoveling her first bit of snow. Because she called me and said, Daddy, this is crazy. But then she sent me and said, Daddy, I did it. I did it. Oh, yeah, we're talking about testimony. I did it. And I want you to see the, the, the height from the picture on the left. You see where the people are. Now, this is shoveling, and it only snowed for about a day and a half. And one day, it was nothing, and then the next morning, she said, Daddy, she said, Daddy it's snowing, it hasn't stopped. And then she called me and says, Daddy, if I don't get out there and do something, I ain't going to be able to get out of the house. Oh, babe, baby. Jesus was like, yeah, you got the, I, I, I would recommend that you get out there. And, and then she called me back and says, Daddy, I'm doing the thing. Now she noticed, and she even got neighbors to help. Somebody say help. Why do we make the decision that we want to try to do things on our own? That job for one person can get done. But if you let people know you need help, number one, and then if you let them help you, number two, guess what? The job gets finished much quicker. And you know what else you do? Maybe you build a relationship on the way, along the way. That family is building their own testimony. They're building their own testimony. They've gone to a place where they knew nobody. Dealing with situations they've never experienced before. Wondering how they're going to get through, but then figuring it out. We're going to get this. We're going we gonna to get through. And you know what happened when she did that? I could hear it in her voice. Confidence. Oh, it was something I wasn't familiar with at first, but doggone it. Oh, it looks like I want a victory. Once you start to win a victory, it only takes one time. Every storm begins with a drop. It only takes one time. But November 2022 is the picture I wanted to show you, the images of my folks doing their thing. By the way, doing it her and the children because my son's deployed. So she is doing it all. She is carrying the weight. And you know what I love what they say whenever I get a chance to talk to each of them? Listen, I know I'm overseas here and I know that she's in New York. Yeah, I know I'm in the States. I know that he's over there, over in, in, in Iraq, and I'm in uh, uh, Kuwait, because he, he's been to 
Iraq since he's been over there in, in, in Kuwait. But we're in this together. We knew what we signed up for. And we going to get through this together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take it and apply it to your own life as applicable. Here we go, family. Live louder. David says this in Psalms 34, verse 8. King James Version, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. David says this after having an experience or a life of experiences or a section of his life that gave him experiences that God is good. Now, God is not good because David's experience. David's experience gives him a testimony. It gives him the ability to testify that God is good. He has developed a testimony and a believer with a testimony. Whoo. Something special happens to a believer with a testimony. That testimony becomes a catalyst that sparks a fire that causes them to turn up for God. Notice. How do they turn up for God? How does this catalyst works? How does it work? Well, once you taste and see for yourself, your passion for God turns up. Maybe your passion was on two. Now it's on four. Maybe it was on four. Now it's on seven. Maybe it was on seven. Now it's on nine. Maybe it was on one and went straight up to the max all the way to ten. It just seems to happen that once you taste and see God for yourself, you get to turn up. Your passion goes up. Your boldness goes up. Your witness goes up. Your faith in general goes up. Everything begins to ramp up when you get your own testimony with God. That testimony sparks a flame inside of you that just won't quit when it comes to God. And when I say it picks up like a flame, I mean it makes you an ambassador like the world has never seen. It makes you a walking witness. And as a walking witness, you become a better asset to the body of Christ and you become more of a threat to the devil. Your testimony, not your neighbor's testimony, not your mama's testimony, not no testimony you saw online, but your testimony in God's hands is a powerful spiritual force. God can take your testimony and reach the multitude. God can take your testimony and reach a whole bunch of folk. And if you think about what kind of people can God reach with my testimony? Well, God can take your testimony and reach the lost. He can take your testimony and reach the weary. How many people can God reach with your testimony? Here's a sampling. 
God can use your testimony to reach the lost and weary, the hurting, the confused, the lonely, the insecure, the unloved, the brokenhearted, and the list, that thing just goes on and on and on. Your testimony does that. And I think of it as a term that's a testimony ripple effect. Just like when you take a pebble and you drop it into a, 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 a still body of water and the ripples go from that initial point of impact all the way out as far as you, as far as you can see. The same thing happens when you share your testimony and allow God to release it into the world. Your testimony hits the spirit realm and a shockwave goes through both kingdoms. It goes through the kingdom of light and it goes through the kingdom of darkness. It goes through the kingdom of light to build and repair and to supply. And it goes through the kingdom of darkness to tear it down. That testimony. Ripple effect. Is something that when it happens. It's a mighty force. That effect doesn't happen as much as it should, though. It doesn't happen as much as it should. Because family, most likely, more than often, in order for that ripple effect to happen, in order for your testimony to make it into God's hands, for God to use, you must first be willing to share it with others. And people don't always share it with others. People sometimes, a lot of times, most of the time, keep that thing to themselves. That's not good. Believer, that needs to change. And when I say it needs to change, I mean it needs to change ASAP. And by ASAP, I mean right now. It needs to change because if you release it, it can cause a ripple effect. But if you don't release it, that ripple effect never happens. Loved ones, your testimony has something to say. You ought to let it speak. When we're talking about a testimony, I know we hear that word all the time, testimony, especially if you're a believer, testimony, testimony, testimony. I want you to ponder, though, what does that word testimony tell you? What does that word testimony say? I'm not talking about the definition. Anybody can look that up and get on your phone, get on your computer, take out some hard copy paper, if you remember how to use a dictionary and you could find the definition of testimony. But I mean, what is it telling you, 
long form. What does that word say? Let's take a look at it. The word testimony, loved ones, if we look at the origin of that, it's the combination of two words. And this is, I think this first word is Latin, or it's, it's a word that was before nine. <laughs> but the origin of it. Testimony is a combination of testis, which is witness. It's you know, a witness, someone that has firsthand knowledge. They have firsthand evidence. They have firsthand proof. And then the suffix of moni. Moni means status or behavior. Now pause right there. In taking the word testimony, I want you, before we go forward, to break that word up because we're going to do something with it to extract the message out of that word. You see there we have it hyphenated with three separate components. We have the word test. We have the letter I. And we have that suffix moni. I love that the letter I is in the middle there because in the middle of your testimony is you. In the middle of your testimony is what you've been through, what you have overcome, what, what, what the courage that you've built up. And yet we've built it up with God, but it's still you. Because when you tell your testimony to somebody, as much as we really want them to see that it's come from God, they looking at you because the closest thing to them is you. You are a person like they're a person. In the middle of your testimony is the letter I. You want to know why? Because can't nobody tell it like you can tell it what God has done for you. Testimony. Now to extract the message out of this thing. Notice what we're going to do. Next image. Family testimony, starting in the first row there, conveys this message. It says, here it comes, I, eyes in the front, because the first part of your testimony is about you. I have gone through a test in life. And thus, my existence and my words can take on a unique moni or status or behavior. If we were to break that down even further and make it further to make it clearer, we would go this route. Next line. I have gone through a test in life and that firsthand knowledge justifies my existence and my words taking on the status of a witness, evidence or proof that what I present is true. Using the word behavior or a form of it, I have gone through a test in life and that firsthand knowledge justifies my existence, taking at my existence and my words, taking on the, taking on the status of or behaving as, okay? A witness. So now they they take the status of or they can behave as almost as if they're a person. Yes. 
behave as a witness, evidence, or proof that what I present is true. Loved ones, your testimony is a powerful witness in large part because the, the evidence of its authenticity is you. Because you are the evidence, it makes your testimony that much more powerful. Your testimony, because you've been through the test and passed the test, is able to convey a message to someone else that that test is takeable and passable. Your testimony tells somebody, listen, although I've been through something, I'm still standing. Although I've been through something, I'm still breathing. Although I've been through something, I'm still moving forward. And I myself, the evidence that I'm standing before you right now, maybe with scars, but standing still. Maybe with tears, but still standing. Maybe you think I might have looked a little hopeless, but doggone it, I still got hope. My testimony is the evidence that what I'm telling you is true. And your testimony is a powerful witness because the evidence is you. You're the evidence that makes your testimony powerful. And your testimony in God's hands is a powerful force. But you have to be willing to let your testimony speak. Therefore, I have a very simple request for you today of all of us. Here it is, a very simple request. Loved ones, unmute your testimony. Oh, we spent time talking about your testimony can give you volume, but in nearly every volumetric device, there is a button called mute. And the actual volume control can be on maximum. But once you hit that mute button, nothing is heard. Your testimony may be loud, but on mute. The request is simple. Unmute your testimony. Loved ones, your testimony has something to say. Let it speak. Look at somebody and say, your testimony, your testimony has, something to say. has something to say. Unmute it, Unmute it. And, let it speak. and let it speak. Your testimony, loved ones, is something that should be released into the world and audibly into the airways and let God use it for kingdom purpose. Kingdom purpose to build up and kingdom purpose to tear down needs to be torn down. When we say those three words, unmute your testimony. Loved ones, that is easier said than done for many people. <laughs> easier. It's a fact, isn't it? 
Easier said than done. And you know why it's easier said than done? It's easier said than done, check this out, because we, those who hold the testimony, have allowed fear to attach itself to that testimony and that fear tricks us into being silent. For a large number of people, that's why their testimony is muted. And now let me tell you, to, to kind of get us closer to where we want to be, let's take that, that thought that fear attaches itself to your testimony and, and mutes it. Because the devil's, I don't know if it's his greatest, but one of his greatest weapons is fear. He used that thing effectively, too. Once he gets you into that fear realm, his control may not be completely dominant, but his influence is inevitable. Once fear gets attached to it. To make it more clear what we're talking about. I want you to think about something. We're not going to go back, but it's on Moses. Not surprising. We're still on Moses. In Exodus 3, we've read this so many times, so I believe I can just talk about it. Exodus chapter 3, we introduce Moses and God talking, and God is trying to get Moses to do something, but he's resisting. He's resisting because he's scared. And a large part, he may be scared about a whole bunch of stuff. But a large part of what he's scared about is he's scared to go back to Egypt. The last time he was in Egypt, people wanted to kill him. Now, he had done some stuff, but still, people wanted to kill him. And Moses, even though God himself is trying to get him to do something, to say yes to something, Moses, because of fear, of going back to Egypt is saying no. I want you to look at this because I want to put a statement up about Moses and I want us to read this statement together. Ready family? I want you to read this with me. Ready? Go. Moses fear back to the past place and that fear restricts his usefulness to God. Read, read that with me. because I, I, That was me. I messed that up. Ready? Go. Moses fears going back to a past place and that fear restricts his usefulness to God. Now let's think about this. Moses' fear of going back to a past place and now I want you to notice that word place right there. That word, loved ones, is extremely important and key to our understanding. It's key because this, listen to this. 
The word place here is key to our understanding because as weird as it sounds, fear's stronghold often seems to be in the past place the person does not want to return to. I'm talking about a person would rather remain silent than go back to that past place. A person with a testimony that can change the world would rather remain silent instead of go back to, a, to that past place. Now, why did I tell you that word place was important? Because loved ones, more often than not, fear is attached to a past place. And now it doesn't have to be a past place. It can be future, but we're talking about testimonies. So we're locking in on a past place. Moses had a fear of going back to Egypt because the people there wanted to kill him the last time he left. When I say place, though, loved ones, as it relates to your testimony, I'm not necessarily talking about a place that you can point to on a map. I'm not necessarily talking about a physical location. I'm talking about those locations or places that house reflections and memories. I'm talking about the places called your mind. The places called your heart. You do not want to go back to that place in your heart or in your mind where, well, let's just face it, pain rears his head back up again. There are memories and reflections that you have housed in those locations and fear stronghold rests in your mind and in your heart. Family, notice. A person in their heart and mind does not want to go back to that place in the past where? Where what? Where the people that they trusted broke their trust. They don't want to go back to that place in their heart and in their mind and revisit all of those feelings where the people they grew up with ridiculed them, called them short, called them black, called them stupid, called them dumb, told them they was just like they good for nothing, daddy, that they would amount to nothing. They don't want to go back to that place. They'd rather keep their testimony muted. And not revisit that place of original hurt. Not revisit that place of original pain. They would rather be silent instead of going back to that place in their heart and in their mind where they didn't have enough. They didn't have money to pay their bills. Forget that. They didn't have money to buy food. Every day was a struggle. Day after day they woke up not knowing 
how are they going to get ends to meet? A few dollars in their pocket at the most. Such a struggle that get this. The dollars in their pocket didn't even have George on them. They dollars so short, George left the bill. But they don't want to they don't want to go back to that place. They resist going back to that place in their heart, in their mind. They resist going back to that place where the people that they love broke their heart. They don't want to go back to the place to where the person or the persons they were so faithful to were unfaithful to them. They don't want to go back to the place where the people that they worked for, they sacrificed for, they spent years of their life for. They dedicated, they, they skipped opportunities for them. And when the time came for them to need help from those same people, those people left them high and dry to deal with life on their own. They abandoned them in their time of need when everything you did in your life from the time they met you was to try to make their life better. And you don't want to go back to that place in your heart and in your mind. You'd rather keep that buried. You don't want to go back to the place where you have to experience that church hurt. Where you opened up your heart to people who was supposed to love you like Christ loved the church. Yeah, what, pastor, that's just for a husband and wife. Don't you get that twisted. Jesus says, you love one another like I've loved you. You open your heart up to this organization and that organization left you with scars. Left you in a mental space where you're having to fight back the thoughts that try to get you to not want to love your God no more because of what they did. You don't want to go back. You don't want to go back to that place anymore in your heart and in your mind. So you'd rather keep your testimony muted. Family, you don't want to go back to that place. We're not talking about physical place. We're talking about the place that holds memories and reflections. You don't want to go back to that place anymore where you, you lost that special person. Where that person that was so integral into your life perhaps breathe that last breath. Oh, there's a testimony that you have about that, but you don't want to revisit it. You'd rather stay silent because the mere idea of unearthing those feelings again scares you to your core. And the enemy uses that to convince you to keep your testimony muted. You tell yourself, I got through it. I'm working it through it on my own. And as far as that situation, in my mind, that was then, this is now, and the two shall never meet.
I've left it behind. But have you? If the enemy is able to keep that testimony bottled up on the inside of you, he's winning. At a minimum, the body of Christ is not benefiting. But in your heart and in your mind, guess what? That was then. This is now. I've got out. I've escaped. I've put it behind me. And all of that, just on a cursory surface level, might be true, loved ones. But guess what? Where you have escaped from, others are still there. What you have gotten away from, others are still, still shackled to. What you are now getting courage about, others are still terrified of. And your testimony has the power to help them get out of what you got of, out of, to overcome what you overcame, to have the courage that you have now that you can look at somebody in the eye to say, I didn't always have this courage. I didn't always stand this strong. I wasn't always this confident. And your testimony can do that, but you have to unmute it. The Bible tells us how important your testimony is to us all. What does it say in Revelation 12? You've read this all your Christian life. What does it say? Notice. No, no, no. Go back there because I want to go there. Go back. Yeah, keep that right there. It's going to say you overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. That's what your testimony can do. The enemy takes your fear, though, and he wraps your fear up into a package and gives it to you as a gift as a gift. And he whispers in your ear. If you tell somebody. They might now see you as that. And we do not, as much as we don't want to reflect on it ourselves, God, no, we don't want anybody else to get an image of us like we were. I want you to know me like you know me right now. Dressing nice, talking nice, living good. I want you to know me right now. God knows I don't want you to have the image of me being molested. I don't want you to know me that way. I don't want you to have that past image of me. I don't want you to have the image of me being abused. I don't want that even, even something that comes across your mind when you look at me. I don't want you to know that I used to be homeless, living out of my car, me and my children, me and my wife, me and my husband. 
I don't want you to know that about me. I don't want you to know that I used to have to walk around and look at where other people had been eating, hoping that they left a little something, didn't throw it away so I can get it. I don't want you to think of me that way. I don't want you to know that I dropped out of high school or that they kicked me out. I don't want you to know that my education is not up to par with yours. I don't want you to know that about me. I don't want you to know I got a criminal record, that I've been locked up, that I've been in jail. I want you to only know me as the choir director, as the praise team leader, as the usher, as the pastor. I only want you to know me as that neighbor who always bakes you cookies. I want you to know me only as the good stuff. And the list goes on and on and on. What are we saying? I don't want you to see me as a real person. I don't want you to see me as someone with real flaws. I don't want you to see me with someone as an imperfect history. That was then, this is now. I don't want to allow you to see me that way because that transparency it takes me back to that place. And I don't want to go back to that place. This is now. That. That's then. If you hold on to that mindset, though, if that's your position, then what your testimony is capable of doing and helping others overcome, it never does the job it's capable of doing. And the Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. The blood of Christ gives us the opportunity and the word of our testimony. Notice that in these various versions or translations. Here it is. King James Version. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him, him being the devil, Satan, his tricks, his schemes, his traps, including his tool of fear. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word. They had to say something. And by the word of their testimony, Amplified Classic, and they have overcome, conquered him by the means of the blood of the lamb and by the utterance. Say that word, family, utterance. They got to utter something. They got to let it out their mouth. They got to say it. The word, the word of utterance of their testimony. Easy to read. They defeated him by the blood sacrifice fights of the lamb and by the message of God. They what? They told people. You got to be willing to tell people about your testimony. Keeping it muted don't get the job done. The voice. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their witnesses. Their witness. Their evidence. Their proof. They have become victorious over him. Ooh, and the message Bible. 
They defeated him, meaning the devil, through the blood of the lamb and the what kind of word? The bold word of their witness. I don't care what it make me look like. If it's going to help the kingdom, I'm going to be bold about it. We're going to turn up. We're going to tear down the devil's castle. We're going to build up the house of God. I'm going to be bold about my testimony. I'm going to be bold about this word God has given me. And when I get bold about it and I start that testimony ripple effect, people get free. Family, we're going to have, and I thank, thank God for people being willing to take the first step in unmuting their testimony. We have individuals that have answered the call, raised their hand up and said, Pastor, you want me? I'll share. I thank them in advance. I thank them already. But let's hear an unmuted testimony. Starting with Miss Faye. Miss Faye, please. Give God some praise. Now, I want to, I want to share this with you as she's getting ready to speak because I have a couple of things I'm going to ask her. I want you to know that what they're sharing here is nothing to make light of. It takes a lot to get up here and share. And I want you and everybody else to know you share what you want to share. Because it's your testimony. You control it. I believe you hear from God. And whatever it is you and others elect to share, God's will is going to get done. So, Miss Miss Faye, here, here's what I want to ask you. What experience do you want to share with us all? Well, let's double check it for it, because I want you to, I want you to hear. Mm -hmm. Sir, her mic good to go? Give me a test one two, test one two. Mic check, mic check. That's good. Test one, two, one, two. Are you hearing? Oh, turn the, the button is not on. That would help. Hello? There's something about that own button, ain't it? All that, All that moving around. It's well, like one time I was, um, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the kitchen. You know, have you ever put a pot on the stove, think you're cooking up something? And you done went and did something else, came back. Why that water ain't boiling? Why don't peas still cold? And you ain't turning the stove on. It's something by the own button. Something by the own button. But, Miss Faye, I'm going to actually sit down here. What experience do you want to share with us all? Well, for those who are not in my holies of holies who don't know me, <laughs> I have experienced three deaths in the last three years. 
I'm standing here by the grace of God. Friends, when I could read my Bible, thank God for YouTube. YouTube is a girl best friend. I turn it on, thank God for my tablet, it reads to me when I can't read for myself. Um, the first death I went through was a divorce. And that was in 20. In 21, I lost my mom to COVID. She got her life together, and she's rejoicing in heaven. Amen. <laughs> um, the other death was my baby girl, my baby sister, Eddie Jo. She got her life together before she left as well. Amen. Those were a very extreme journey for me. Okay. Give God some praise for that. That's a that's a lot for her for her sharing. I mean, you can you can still hear it in her voice. And for for many of us, it doesn't mean that the feelings go away. But when you are able to release your testimony, it is helping others. Here's my next question for you. What type of challenges did you have to face or overcome as you went through those different testimonies? The first challenge with the divorce um, was shame. Um, not for me, because I'm just like that. You know, I really don't care how people feel or what they have to say. I'm like that. That's just my personality. It's, it's checked with the word of God, but if you confront me in the wrong way, I can iron a crease very gracefully. <laughs> um, it was mostly for him, because anybody that knew Deacon Dennis, my husband, um, he's kind of to himself, so he was, you know, it was a lot for him. But um, because we were still brothers and sisters in Christ, I still prayed for him. I still um, cared about what would happen to him, um, even though I had moved on with God. Um, that was a challenge for me to constantly try to look out for him still. The challenge with my mom, um, with the COVID thing, my entire family had got COVID. Mom was the corporate. Um, so being going to the house to visit and stuff like that, um, I ended up um, getting COVID. So it didn't attack me as bad as it did my family because Psalms 91, believing, praying, and I was in the adrenaline of taking care of my entire family. When I say entire family, I had about six of us in the hospital on the same floor. So when the doctors came, they came to me. I was the advocate for everybody. So I really, really didn't get sick. I just faked it to get in there so I could be on that floor with my family to make sure they was taken care of. That was a challenge because everybody was getting better except mom. When they took my mom to ICU, they said, do you want to go see her? I didn't want to see her like that. Even though I wanted to see mommy, I did not want to have that last image in my head of her like that. Thank you. 
Um, so um, they allowed me, they put the phone to her ear. She said that she can hear me, and I just truly, truly believe God that she could hear me. Um, I talked to her. Um, as I talked to her, I believe she was hearing me. And the doctor would come. He said, this lady ain't going nowhere. She will just not give up. <laughs> so I was like, prayers, prayers, prayers. The revealing Truth was praying for me. Family members was praying for us. But as pastors told us, God's will, when it's time, it's her time. I was grateful, as my sister said, my mom was so bad. God had to create COVID to get her up out of here. <laughs> that lady was strong. My mom, we gave her a surprise party at the age of 86. Her whole family came. So we had a family reunion just before she left us. Um, she was just my rock. She was the family rock. So um, then everybody turned to me. And I'm like, okay. Um, after that challenge with mommy, then the challenge with my baby sister, I thank God that my mom had all these girls. No offense to men, but girls going to make it happen. <laughs> um, had one sister who was retired. She moved from D.C. She was down here. Another sister worked from home. Then I work at the VA. We took turns. The sister that was retired, she was in the house um, from 8 a.m. to 3.30. The sister that worked from home, she, she carried it. Um, taking care of my baby sister in the house until I got there at 5. Granted, I get up very early. And um, getting up early, getting to work early, then making it to the house. And at the house, it was my turn to take care of her from 5 to 8. So that was my challenge, to take care of baby girl. The, you know, you've already shared about how between YouTube and things like that, but I don't know if you had a specific scripture that you know kind of your anchor my anchor is Jesus <laughs> yes I didn't have a favorite scripture because being a woman of God all of them is favorite for me whatever I need I pull on it but all I kept saying I know you got me God because you said you're doing your word I know I'm blessed because you said I'm blessed I know I'm strong because you said I'm strong I know I have everything I need to do what I need to do for my family, and you're going to take care of me because I'm taking care of them. Mm. So as far as the scripture, I apologize. I don't have one. The Bible reads to me when I can't read it, and it's still doing it today. Amen. And, and by the way, I'll add to that, oh, no apologies needed. We always say the, the most Bible, you can read 90%, but if you ain't getting none of it, it don't mean nothing. But if you're living it, that's what we, that's what we need. That's what we need. And she is saying that she, 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 she's living it. She's living it. And I didn't stop coming to church. You may saw me run out of here, and I ran out of here because I didn't want to offend anybody. What I mean by that is I have a very bold and loud personality. I'm a Joyce Meyer to my heart, so, and that's how I walk. So if I feel like you're not strong enough to know faith, you won't engage in the real faith. I'm not phony, but you will not engage in the real faith. If I see somebody hurting now, I, I will approach them. You know, we have a little sister that sings that I, I miss her, and I asked um, June Baptiste about her, and I want you to let her know. She's in my prayers, and I'm looking for her for a reason. 
I don't know, you know, preferably all is well, but she's been missing for a while. So I'm praying that all is well for her. Um, but I don't meet a stranger. You know, I'm bold enough to, to come out. I'm a minister at work, and I didn't even realize that until people came up to me and said, hey, you don't want to go around her with that crazy because she do not play. Okay, but I'm real about the things of God. I'm real about people's life. I'm real about people's heart because hurt is hurt. Hurting people hurt people. And um, Dennis is my ex-husband. Um, he came to the house for Thanksgiving because I told him before, you've been in my life for 15 years. We didn't do what God told us to do, so our marriage ended. Um, but it doesn't mean as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can't be friends. Nothing more than that. So I let him know if he ever needs me, I'm there because he has no family here. Um, but as far as anything else, he was very appreciative that I wanted to um, have our divorce to have us part as friends. Because if you're a woman and a man of God, you have no business having anguish in your heart because you're not together now. We're not together as husband and wife, but we are still a brother and sister in Christ. And that's what I represent. Whether you want to represent that or not, when you're around me, that's what you're going to get. So that's me living out loud. <laughs> Thank you. Give God some praise for her. I ask for you to continue your clapping for Miss Camone. Miss Camone. Miss Miss Camone is always someone that you know because I've known Miss Camone for for so long. Miss Camone, you know, you ever notice how sometimes people meet people and they be like, they quiet. <laughs> not so, my dear friend. Not so. But I also, you know, I I kind of grab my heart gravitates to individuals who at such a young age demonstrate how strong God is in their life. And I admire her for that. I have some of the similar questions for you, but I know you, you told me that you would be ready. So I'm just going to kind of Say them. They're very similar to Miss Faye, and then I'm gonna have a seat because it looks like you have, you you are prepared. What you're gonna do is you're gonna share with everybody the experience you want to share, and then however you wrap it up, you know, uh, how does how is your life right now? A walking testimony. If there are any scriptures you stood on, if 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 there is. A specific challenges you had to face or overcome? How did God show himself faithful when you get a chance to talk to other people like you are now? What would you share with them about how, you know, living, living louder and, and, and just enjoying and moving forward? All that kind of stuff, I turn it over to you now. Thank you, Pastor Benjamin. Yes. Okay, so, you know, I got my tissue ready, so we're good. <laughs> you need me to talk louder? Just in the mic. <laughs> 
Can you get her get her all get her all adjusted? I'm only five feet, so can you adjust get her me a all little adjusted. bit? However, it needs to needs to be, so we can get every drip. Okay, so I'm still like, but we're good. So I want to talk to you a little bit about um, what God laid on my heart to share. Talk about the faithfulness of God in my life and me growing through disappointment in relationships, disappointment through decisions that I made that didn't turn out how I envisioned it to turn out but also disappointment through prayers that I saw as not being answered the way that I wanted to or expected them to be answered. So I'll just, um, excuse me, I'll just go to my scripture first and lead in with that. Um, the scripture that I've stood on for years and still stand on today is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And I'll read that in the Message Bible. And then I'll read it and amplify it because I just, for me, those are the versions that help the most. Um, so the Message Bible says, there's no test or temptation that comes your way. It's beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limits. And he'll always be there to help you come through it. And then in the Amplified, it says, for no temptation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience. And such as man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, he will always, always also provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. So I just want to, I thank God because, sorry. <laughs> I thank God for his faithfulness because his faithfulness doesn't stop because you're facing challenges. His faithfulness doesn't stop because you're having good days or bad days. His faithfulness doesn't stop because I think I can't make it through. He is always faithful. And the challenge that I want to focus on that I've been through and I've grown through and I've overcame is dealing with my health. And this started in November 2017. You know, I saw my right eye. It was a little swollen. 
And I'm like, okay, I just got my eyebrows threaded. That lady probably just pulled one too, too hard. <laughs> and if anyone knows about getting your eyebrows threaded, it's not a fun experience, but you know, it's worth it in the end. So, you know, I was like, oh, that, you know, that hurt a little bit, but all right, we're good. It's just a little puffy. Weeks went on, months went on, it was still puffy. I went to my, you know, we follow ophthalmologists because of, you know, our family history with our eyes. So I went and I was like, you know, my eyes been a little puffy. I don't know what's going on. And he's like, okay. You know, we ran some tests. He took pictures. He did an MRI. And there was a mass sitting on my optic nerve between my eye and my brain. And he was like, you know, I'll send you to a specialist, you know. You could go see the specialist and we'll figure it out. I went to the specialist. She said, well, let's just do a send you to this other specialist. He could do a biopsy. And my spirit was like, mm. You know, I looked him up and it was like, everything in me was like, nope. <laughs> do not go to him. And I was like, well, I'll just go do a consultation and then I could tell them no. Well, they called me and they were like, oh, we've scheduled you for surgery to do the biopsy. And God was like, no. So I said, you know what, I'm going to cancel that appointment. But in the midst of it, they had me going to an endocrinologist also. They said, maybe it's, you know, all these other diseases. Maybe it's something else going on. I went to the endocrinologist, and she said, I have someone. Let me call him. I think he's good. He's an ophthalmologist. I trust him. She was like, because from my standpoint, everything is fine. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to him. I said, good, that's my way out. I canceled this appointment not even understanding what the surgery entailed. So I went to the specialist and he said, you know, to even do that biopsy, you will have to do a craniotomy. And I was like, they scheduled me for that? I, didn't, I had no clue. So I said, okay, God. He said, what's going on is above our level. You need to go to USFI Institute. So I started being followed in August 2018 by USFI Institute. And all the doctors, they were like, we don't know what's going on. We can't figure it out. They put me on all these high doses of steroids. Nothing was working. All the tests came back fine. They had no clue. And they said, we can't do surgery to get a biopsy because it's not recommended. We've met. And they were using me as a case study, basically. All the doctors met. They said, it's just not possible because we don't want to damage your brain and we don't want to damage your eye. So how do we get in to see what's really going on? Nothing's working. And at this point, you know, um, I thank God for the doctor that I was placed with because she said, let's just try to see if your body will heal itself. Amen. Let's focus on reducing your stress. Let's do something in the natural because nothing we're doing is working for you. And it was challenging because it was not only a physical challenge, it was an emotional challenge. It was a mental challenge because throughout all this course that they were doing, all the medication, I gained so much weight that from me running 13 miles on Saturday, I could hardly run one. And that was my way of escape was running and I couldn't move. And it was just too much. And so I started, you know, it started making me really down. And I was like, God, what is my purpose? Because this isn't working. But God stayed faithful that no matter what was going on with me, he was still there. Amen. 
And I'm telling you, standing here today saying it doesn't, we pray and we ask God for healing. And we expect it to happen now. And I was praying and I was fasting and my mom, at that time she was still alive and she was like, I got you. We're going to prayer meeting. I'm fasting for you. I'm praying for you. And I'm like, nothing is working. And she was like, hold course. You walk in divine health. It's going to happen. And the entire time she was like, but you need to leave that job. Leave this job. (laughs) I got a good job. It was stressful, but it takes care of us. And she said, you know, in 2019, she said, come on, I'm proud of you. This was the last time I saw her in December. She said, I'm proud of you. She was like, if something happens to me, I don't ever have to worry about you. She was like, but in 2020, you need to leave that job. And she was like, if they offer you more money, you need to tell them, no, you have to leave because you have to start focusing on you. And I said, okay, I got it, I got it. A week later, my mom went into cardiac arrest on January 6th. And I got the call, and you know, I'm like, I'm working. And the whole time, I'm working. And I'm saying, okay, God. I'm working, I'm like, okay, God, I got this. She's, I'm believing God that she's gonna be healed. You know, and not understanding the gravity of what was going on at that time. And I'm like, she's here, but I'm working. At 6.30 in the morning, they like, you need to get to Fort Lauderdale. I'm like, she walks in divine health. She good. I'm going to be there. And I'm working. And um, January 17th, my mom was in a coma the entire time. And then I went to Fort Lauderdale. Of course, I stayed there. And January 17th, God was like, it's time. So I told my mom, and just like Miss Faye said, they can hear you. Because I told my mom, I said, Mommy, I'm leaving that job. And for the first time since she was in that coma, she opened her eyes. And everybody, I was like, uh. Because they were like, she is holding on. And when I told her that, she opened her eyes. That let me know that she was pleased with my decision. And that's what I needed to do. She passed away 1.15 a.m. on January 18th, a few hours after that. And I said, okay, I was gun ho Okay, I told my mom, now I got the sign from God. That was the approval. I need to leave this job. Well, my bonus check hit the next week. <laughs> and as you know, once that check hit, you're like, I can hold out two more weeks. <laughs> I can hold out two. And I kept doing that. I didn't leave that job till November 4th, 2020. And I made my mom that promise on January, 18th, January 17th. I say all this to say I held on because my source was that job. I held on regardless of what God was telling me to do because my source was other places. But God still remained faithful to me. After I left the job, I started really focusing on me, my family, everything that God was telling me to do. My eye went down. No, no explanation other than the goodness of God. I went back to the doctor. I did more MRIs. They said it was so, it shrunk so much, we couldn't even pick it up on the MRI. And for anybody that know, they know my eye was, my eye was literally bulging out. 
Like at one point, my eyeball popped out and I had to push it back with my hand because it was unexplainable. But it took me from November 2017 till 2021 to fully see the flourishing of what God promised me with my body and this healing. So it doesn't come immediately all the time, but God is still faithful. He still honors his word regardless of what we see in the natural happening. But if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you just keep taking steps, keep moving in the goodness of God, I promise you he will not let you down. He will not let you down. So whatever you are going through, your situation is not my situation, right? But his goodness is still transcends all of that. Hold firm to his word. Find you somebody that could pray with you, pray for you, if you can't do it for yourself. But trust God that his promises are true. And his yes is amen. Regardless of what we see, Regardless of what we, because there's a lot of times I felt like giving up. But I got my babies. I got my husband. I got my family that depends on me. And no matter what it looks like, God still got me. And I'm standing here because of that. one last thing I want to share with you. Um, On Wednesday morning, I woke up with this song in my heart. And it was like I was sleeping, but I was singing a song. And I could hear it. And I woke up and I was like, okay, God. So I started playing the song. And God was like, okay, but you need to read the lyrics to the song. And I read this for my, my kids and my husband. And, um, I'm not going to sing it because the focus is the lyrics. And I want you to listen to the words. It's just the first part of the song. But listen to the words. And I want you to try as much not to sing it in your head, but listen as if you're speaking it over yourself, right? And it's um, Goodness of God by Bethel Music. It says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life, you've been faithful. And all my life, you have been so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Give God some praise. My God, my God. I want you to continue 
to celebrate for Mr. Vincent. Mr. Vincent, please come forward. And sir, as you, you can hold it if you wish. Yes, sir. You can just let him take it right out of, take it right out of the stand for him. And you've heard, I don't have to go through the different questions for you. You've already heard two people now, so you got an idea. And you mm -hmm. and I have taught, they've seen us at the gym together. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, they know you and I have had very many conversations. You know what we're looking for? I turn it over to you, sir. Uh, thank you, thank you. Morning, family. Morning. <clears throat> you know, Pastor asked me to share about uh, when the Lord tried to take me out. Man, that's a long testimony. Yeah, we ain't got that much time in here today. <laughs> so I, I said I'm, gonna, I'm just going to break it down to three things. Some, what we hear all the time is that um, God is faithful. God is a miracle worker, and God is a maywaker. May, waymaker, I'm sorry. is a waymaker, right? So just using those three things, um, <clears throat> God is faithful. He will answer your prayers, and I'm not just talking about, like, you know, God, let this light change. I'm late. This, you know, <laughs> I mean, that prayer where you sweating, when you're nerd, you know what I'm saying, when you feel it, you shaking, um, you crying, that prayer. That prayer, I, the one, I, one of those that I vaguely, not vaguely, but strongly remember was uh, August 2017. The, cut that long story short, worked hard, got education, but I chose to work with my body instead of my brain. That changed that quickly. <laughs> I told my back up. Um, a full stenosis in my L spine. That's when your your spinal cord is being crushed by your vertebrae. So, um, needless to say, couldn't walk, couldn't move. You know, thank God for my wife. I'm gonna tell you, you find it the good thing is an understatement. <laughs> thank God for my wife because uh, I could not do nothing, and I mean nothing. She had to do everything for me. So I ended up having surgery <laughs> in the enemy a trip. I'm telling you, during the surgery, they end up tearing my dura matter, which is like a covering around your spinal cord, um, trying to pull my vertebrae apart. It, it tore, you know, it pulled my spinal cord and tore it. I woke up from surgery. I could not feel or move my lower body. Completely paralyzed. That's when that started, that prayer. And um, like it was said, sometimes you can't pray for yourself. But I don't know if y'all know my prayer warrior, but she ain't no joke. <laughs> she ain't no joke. In the room when I woke up, that's all I heard. Right? Doctors convinced that might be it. I got a tube in my back, you know, the whole nine. That prayer started right there. Lord, just let me move my legs. Just let me move them. Long story short, again, by the end of that night, I was wiggling my toes. 
I was wiggling my toes. My wife laying hands on my legs and praying. My little ones in there encouraging me. Once again, the enemy through the doctor. We don't know. Just put it like that. They don't know. But you can't leave here if you can't walk around this. They have a hallway that you got to walk around. Prayer, no, prayer part two. Lord, just let me stand up. Took a day, a little bit over a day. I stood up out that bed. Don't tell me he ain't faithful. Once again, doctor said, well, for you to come out of here, we got this walker. We're going to give you physical therapy. You got to go around. I started from the bed to the door, from the bed to the hallway, from the bed to the end of the hallway. It took a week, but I was walking around that hospital. I got to go home when they said, well, basically, <laughs> they were wrong. You don't know my God, so I'll let you go with that. <laughs> You're going to be wrong until you learn who he is, and that's just the truth about it. I feel it, I said it, and I'm going to say it when I say it. <laughs> you got to learn. I got home. Um, your two-income household, you'll understand how important it is you got to get to work. Um, I can't go to work because I can hardly walk. In order to get back there, I had to make a choice. I can listen to the world, lay it down, quit. Or I can listen to my God who told me, I said, you can walk. Ain't you home? I said, you can walk. Get up. Work it out. It's going to hurt. It's going to take a while. Cry about it. But keep moving. I started from the bedroom to the kitchen, maybe. Went to the living room. Went from the bedroom to outside. Whole time, my prayer warrior right there, because I'm about to fall. <laughs> she, got me. she got me, but I'm telling you, I'm about to fall. She got me. <laughs> we went from the, from the bedroom down the street to the end of the road. That's all I could do. Family. It took about three months, two, three months. I would call my supervisor, when can I come back? I'm going around the whole neighborhood now. I ain't doing nothing at home but going broke. Let me got to go. Let's do this. <laughs> so when I say my God is faithful to those true prayers, family, I may stand a little crooked. And I might walk a little bit over, but I'm standing and I'm walking, and to my God be the glory for that. And I tell it about about that right there. <laughs> I can hear my baby when I'm going down from one room to the other. I can hear, baby, you're leaning. Stand up straight. Yes, dear. Let me. <clears throat> I got to be conscious of it. Sometimes I'm just like this, but hey, I get there. But I'm moving, so that, that's why I say he's faithful. 
Believe it if you want to. Don't care. I'm telling you the truth. He's faithful. God is a miracle worker. God is a miracle worker. February 2019. And uh, a lot of times I, I tease you about being in my house. I know you're watching and listening. I mean, you be telling the truth about everything. <laughs> I'm going to find them bugs. <laughs> oh, when Pastor speaks on uh, being there, um, that hits me hard. Because... Um, where I wanted to be that Sunday morning was with my family. They, they went to church that morning. But uh, I, I'm thinking I'm late because I'm PRN, and PRN, you got to get in where you fit in. They said I can come in. I went in. You don't start telling them no, they'll stop calling you, you know. So, um, and I was working at Bay Care uh, down in Apollo Beach. And um, <laughs> now I felt a little tired when I went in. That's par for the course because we be up on Saturday nights. That's just what we do. So I figure I'm a little tired. I'm going to do what I'm doing. They had me working the floor, which I'm happy with. I like working with the patients. I'm good. But they say, hey, I need you to go to the OR. Your, your co-worker wants to go to lunch. Somebody said, I need you to go up to the OR. I want you to cover in there today. I don't like the OR, y'all. That's... That's hours of standing and looking at people. Ain't nothing to do. <laughs> so I went up there, and there's a, a surgical nurse, Nancy is her name. We banter, as you do with your coworkers. We banter back and forth. So she, I got in the OR room, and she looked at me, and she said, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, because I'm thinking we doing this, right? She's like, no, Vince, it's freezing in here. You sweating. Why are you sweating like that? I didn't know I was sweating. I didn't feel anything. And she said, come here. And she looked in my eyes and she said, lay down. She told the, um, the assistant, she said, go get a stretcher out the hallway. Lay down. I said, what am I laying down for? Now, I'm getting attitude because I'm like, what? I, got, I don't want to work this arm already. <laughs> you know, I'm already don't want to be here. Lay down. Lay down. They got a couple of them. They started pulling me to the um, stretcher. And all the way I'm saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going down. I don't know this. Um, the surgeon, he said, Vince, you're not working in my OR today. You need to lay down now. I'm arguing with them. The last thing I remember, y'all, was an ambu bag going over my face. That's an assistant breather. I don't remember nothing after that. So family, right then in that moment, I coded. I died right there. Um, God said, not yet. He had the people where they were supposed to be when they were supposed to be there. He had the right folks that knew the right things to do what they had to do. And they worked on me, and I'll tell you, they, they gave me a list. I, I found out after it was all over what they had to do, including as a procedure, um, 
where there's a needle, they have to jam it through your bone into your marrow to get the medication to you fast enough because you, you're gone. They brought me, they got me back through, the, through my Lord in Christ. They got, them, they got me back, Lord. <clears throat> Sorry, that, that right there, that part. They got me down to the OR. My supervisor, she said that she's, in, she's overrated out of the department, told me, you know, I knew you were strong, but good Lord. <laughs> Apparently, it took a lot of people because I was fighting. I don't know. Once they brought me back, I'm fighting, right? And I'm, and I'm fighting hard. They got me to the OR, I mean to the ER, and I called it again. Got some that said that's it. But God put it on one ER doctor's heart. Stan told him, not yet. Mm. And like I said, that's when he, um, it's not one, because you know when something real expensive, they try not to go there. <laughs> But they, um, I, it begins with, oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. But that's when they had to jam it through my bone to get me back here. And the Lord brought me back again. I coded twice in that hospital. The enemy said, I want him. He done messed up. I can get him right now and I have him. Because he ain't completely came around the right way. So let me get I'm. And he put me in a coma. <laughs> I was gone. Now, all of that happened within the course of less than an hour. And I was out of it for three days. I was out of it for three days. I was having Sunday morning, Tuesday afternoon, sweet, probably know the exact time. There was... I don't know. The best way I can describe it, and I'm not going to, it's not all the, the bright light thing like that. I, I heard somebody. I didn't know at the time who it was, but I heard somebody. And as I came closer and closer out of it, by my side, <clears throat> sorry, by my side again, that prayer warrior was in that room. I could not pray for myself. <laughs> she in there giving God the business. No, not him. God said, that's right. That's why you praying like that, because not him. Not today. We all got a time, but this one ain't his. <clears throat> Family, I woke and she, she had to tell me because it, it makes me laugh when I think of my sweets to see something. Uh, uh, I opened my eyes. Now, mind you, I told you I was fighting. Family, I woke up. I was strapped down with a, with a tube down my throat. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you ain't never woke up, and you was tied up when you woke up. It is horrible. It's the most terrifying thing that I can imagine. It, it, that scared me more than what they told me about what happened. Because I woke up and I couldn't move. I was tied down. And just as quick as the enemy put that fear in my heart, 
the God, God, my God took it out because that one was right there and she was the first face I saw. When I saw her, I don't care what kind of situation I was in, I knew I was all right. <laughs> you ain't going to tell me my wife's standing right there and you hurting me. It ain't finna happen. Y'all, I got that same story. Y'all know that sweet one, but make her mad. Yeah, that's why I tries to be a good boy. <laughs> well, she, she could be serious when she wants. Um, and 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 um, they start running in there, and um, and you know they pull the tube out. That was nasty. I didn't like that. Untie me, and Lord, <laughs> I thank Him every single day. Y'all do not understand. When they tell you you don't know what you got until you lose it, I'm going to tell you that is the truest thing somebody can tell you because I have life that I had lost and God gave it back. So don't tell me he can't work a miracle. Don't tell me that he don't do miracles. I know you hear about it. Look in front of you. Miracle. Right here. I know what God can do. Can't nobody tell me different. The last one about <clears throat> is a situation. I'm in it now. I'm in it now. God is a way maker. Last year, Thanksgiving morning, around 2 a.m., he had come that old enemy one more again. He attacked my body in the same in the same fashion. This time I was at home. This time I was feeling what I didn't get to feel the first time. You know, uh, the sweats, the heat, the dizziness, I, the dizziness. I had enough country. It was cold outside. I was burning up. I had enough conscience. I was taking my shirts off, and I went outside. It just happened to be cold in Florida that day. And I went outside in the garage, but my mindset was not to try to save my life. My mindset was that my family was still up, y'all. My, my girls were still in there. And I was, I was dying in front of my babies, y'all. So... Uh, I was like, I, I, I can't do this in front of them. I got to get out of here. They can't, they can't see that. And um, once again, someone was there. My son, Darrell, he lives in Texas, just happened to be there last Thanksgiving. We didn't even know if he was going to make it. But he was there. All I can get out was 911. That's all I can get out. My, I couldn't say nothing else. He came running out there. He was holding me up, talking me through my situation while calling 911. And um, by this time, everybody done came out. And I'm, I'm leaning on my truck and my son. I'm trying not to fall. And my son is the only one who kept a cool head. Thank God for him, I'm telling you. And he had the, the, 
the wisdom to call them and tell them what was going on. And it just so happens that there's a fire station right there on Cross Creek. They got there within minutes. When they got there, if you understand what I'm saying, my oxygen was at 56 and dropping. So there's no way <laughs> if they were farther out, they got me in there. And this time around, try to cut that short. Through testing, I had to stay in the hospital while I found out that my kidneys had failed on me. And um, now, at this point in time, because of decisions I made in life, my only option was dialysis. And uh, when people heard that, <clears throat> when people hear that, in their minds, your, your life is over. You know what I'm saying? Dialysis, you can't live nothing ever again. You're done. You're going to live on, a, on, on the needles for the, you know, and... <laughs> And um, I honestly refused to lose the faith that had been installed in me from what I've already been through. He done brought me too much for me to say, well, I quit. Why try? You know, God is a way maker. Now, it's not always going to be the way you want or the way your family want, or your friends want, or your co-workers, or somebody next door. That ain't, that ain't what you want all the time. But it's going to be what you need. And that's how I chose to look at it. People had all kind of negativity flying around. You know, they, they coming at my wife with negativity. If you shake that woman's faith, you done talk some noise. Yeah, that woman's faith does not waver. Okay, and you had her nervous dog. I'm I'm the prayer warrior today. I'm gonna tell you what God gonna do today. God said you do this dialysis, but here's the thing, which is funny how you know what you said this morning. God will put people in your life to tell you the truth. Tell you the truth. I have now. I have some doctors that don't care about your feelings. <laughs> They'll tell you, you get mad about what I say all you want. But I'm going to tell you what you need to help you. And my doctors that I have now, they said, look, dialysis will help you with your fluid. It'll get it off your heart. It'll get it out your, out your lungs. It'll help you with the swelling. But you on your own with that fat. <laughs> that gut is why your blood pressure is so high. And your blood pressure is why your kidneys fail. You can be compliant. And you can start doing what you need to do to get your body right. Or this the dialysis that's designed to help you can actually kill you. Because they have a level that they have to pull, a level of kilos that they have to pull. The higher the level, the more strain and stress they put on the organs that you got that's good. So you go in there with your fluid high, guess what? <laughs> you increasing the possibility of not making it out the room. And y'all, I've been in there for almost a year now, and I have met several people that have died 
since I've been there. They be in there eating Cheetos and sandwiches and, you know, drinking sodas. They don't take, they don't take it seriously. But if you are compliant, God said he will send those whom you need. You got to listen. You got a choice. You got the choice. I'm going to tell you, God is always, always, always going to do his part. All the time. Don't tell me he don't. Don't tell me he can't. Every day, every night, week, month, and year, God always does his part. Always. But it's on you to do yours. I've made a way, he told me. Are you going to take it? Or are you going to throw it away? I said, God, give me an ability. Because I couldn't walk no more, y'all. You know, after that situation, I mean, I could have gave up. I couldn't walk. I was walking one leg around the other. Uh, Big mom used to do back in the day. (laughs) But I walked. It took me a while to get from one side of the room to the other, but I did it. I went back to work uh, from the parking garage to the building. Sometimes I was late. I got there early. <laughs> but I was late. They passed me going in. I know you're here. We'll see you when you get upstairs. I said, I'm coming. <laughs> I said, Lord, you give me the ability to get myself together. I am going to start. And I am not going to stop until you tell me it's time to come home. Get the weight off? (laughs) Yes, sir. Get yourself right mentally? Yes, sir. Work on your body? Yes, sir. Do what you got to do so that what I'm blessing you with can work. So you can't tell me he's not a way maker. Because I may be in dialysis, y'all. But I'm healthier than I've been in a long time. <laughs> I can go farther than I went in a long time. I'm on the treadmill until the time run out. I started, I could do barely five minutes. Now it's an hour and five because that's when it stops. <laughs> so you can't tell me that he don't make a way. So when I tell you he's faithful. He's a miracle worker. He's a way maker. That is not just a phrase. That is a fact. I lived it. I'm living it. I'm going to continue to live it until it's time to come home. Oh God, I, I, I give him praise. I'm grateful for every day. <clears throat> and you asked about the, uh, the scripture. That was a hard one for me because um, it, it might be the wrong way. I'm sorry. It might be the wrong way. But I am a situational reader. What I mean by that is I'm going through something. It's funny. My kids, even my wife, they see me reading. You read? I'm like, yeah, I read. <laughs> and like, see you read them like it's not for display. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm reading because I'm in my closet. I don't need distractions. You know, I, I, this is a reason. Sometimes I'm dealing with you. That's why I'm reading this right here. 
<laughs> um, to find a base, um, I had to go to uh, Galatians. Now it leads up, uh, it's Galatians 6 and 9, but it leads up with, you know, not sowing fleshly. If you sow it fleshly, you reap. Destructions, you reap the flesh, you know. So, and spiritually, you reap the spiritual blessings, and it, it leads up with that. But it's, it's um, six and nine, and, uh, and I, know I wanted to get out. This is New Living, but all the translations say, everybody get what they get when they read. All the translation, translations say the same thing to me. So, I, I chose the New Living. Um, uh, though, let's see. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessings, this part, if we don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit. You know, you asked about advice or something I can say, that's it. Don't listen to people. I'm going to tell you right now what I know. People will condemn you and your situations before you give God the opportunity to work. Don't listen to people. The hospital got some of the most negative folks you have ever met. Because understand, they have seen so much bad that they believe that's the only outcome of your situation. And, and once again, here you go with you, Fear. He will, the enemy will use not just your fear, but everybody else's. And their fear is trying to feed you a bunch of foolishness. You can't. You won't. You, I'm like, this. how are you going to tell me I'm not going to do nothing? I can't sit still. That's not my nature. I was, all, I was over 400 pounds at one point. I still moved. I can't sit still. So don't tell me I'm finna give up on my life. I don't quit. I'm not, that's not in my nature. I try to put that in my children. You start something, you finish it. It gets hard. It, life is hard. You're going to give up on life? You no. Know, don't quit. That's what I tell you. Don't give in to your own fears. You know, sometimes we don't even want to know what's going on. I'm, I'm talking to some of my fellas now because you know how we do sometimes. We only want to hear the word doctor. I said it. I'm sorry. Some of us don't. I know that's how I came up. We did our best to avoid the doctor. And our reasons was just as dumb as that. Because they looking for something wrong. <laughs> they doctors. They supposed to find out what's wrong. Get you some ologists in your life. I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, God will put the right one in your life. But you go to your primary, you get one of those. If you don't have one, it's a fantastic one in the back of the room. We'll get you a primary if you need one. Let them, you know, saying refer you to get you some. I, I'm telling you what I know. If you got headaches, it ain't just because you're upset or something. Sometimes if they're coming too far, you might need a neurologist. Just see them. If you're tired all the time, your chest hurt, it ain't gas all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You might need a cardiologist. You know what I'm saying? You got swelling in your feet and your ankles. You can't even put your shoes on. It ain't because you've been on your feet all day, all the time. 
you might need a nephrologist. I'm telling you what I know. You know, you get the back of my left knee itching. I don't know why. You might need a dermatologist. You don't know what gets you an ologist in your life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't be scared to find out because I made the wrong decisions that could have hindered this situation that I'm in. I didn't want to know. But if I would have known, I might have been able to stop some things. But I'm here now, and I know now. And while you have the chance, find out now. If, if something's been bothering you for a while, I thank God for your situation. Because regardless of all the folks that you went through, you had a doctor that said, let's pray about it. Let's wait. Let's find out. You had somebody, because I remember doctors that said, at one point I was on 13 or 14 blood pressure medications. Yeah, because they weren't trying to treat the, the, the problem. They want to treat the symptoms. They weren't working on the problem. The problem, turns out, was this whole time for decades, my kidneys was going down. They were going down because of my high blood pressure. They didn't look at none of the labs about my kidneys. They was focused on my blood pressure. I found out that it was either nine or ten of those medications were detrimental to your kidneys. So by not getting educated, I, in, I increased the problem. <laughs> you know, Find out what's going on. Don't be scared. And when God blesses you with the ability to do something to help yourself, do it. Don't quit. Don't give up. And whatever you do, don't let people shake your faith. You know who God is. I don't care how bad your situation. It ain't good every day. I ain't happy all the time. I got churn. I get upset. Sometimes I get upset. But you know what? It's the same churn when I allow it that bring my joy right back. You understand me? The same churn bring my joy right back into my life. So don't give up. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory. <laughs> oh yeah, give God some praise. Give God some praise. Amen. You know, you know, family. I, I, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna bring this thing home. I, I, I hope. Did you get some out of those testimonies? Now they they continue to have me mic'd up, and so I tried my best not to do an old country bust out laugh. But the line of the day: get some ologists in your life. Get some ologists in your life. My lord, my lord. It's a t-shirt. But I will I will share this, as you know. His, his baby's giving him a hug. Once again, Miss Faye, thank you. Love you. Miss Camone, 
Thank you. Love you. Mr. Vince, thank you. Love you. And loved ones, that was necessary. It was necessary because sometimes it only takes someone willing to show you how it's done. For you to get comfortable enough to release your testimony and to break free from your fears. of It don't matter that people see me in, in, in what, what has happened and gone through my, gone, what I've gone through in life. Because if God can use it to free somebody else, that's what we're going to do. Now let's really bring it home for you. Because I'm going to ask you to do something. Family, we're very familiar about this next item. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He had just received the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to go through all of these, but basically, easy to read version tells you that it was he was led into the spirit. He didn't eat anything for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil came to him and began to tempt him. By the time we get to verse 11, Jesus has outlasted the devil. And the Bible says, so the devil left him. Then some angels came to Jesus and helped him. Family, fast forward some more in that chapter. They put John the Baptist in prison. Jesus hears about it. Jesus is back, I believe, in Galilee at this time. And we make our way back to verse down to verse 17. Notice this. Easy to read in the voice, Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to tell people his message. Change your hearts and lives because God's kingdom is now very near. In the voice, it says this. From that time on, preaching was part of Jesus' work. Jesus said, repeat, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Thank you. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Family. Not too long after Jesus came out of the wilderness, after he came out of his experience, after he had overcame the devil, Jesus began from that time forward making preaching the goodness of God what he did every day. Once you've come through. Once you got your testimony, once you've overcome the devil, once you bust out of the wilderness, what you should make a part of your everyday, ordinary, walking around life is letting people know what God has done for you. Preaching and teaching and being bold about what God has done in your life should be normal course for you once you've come out of your wilderness experience. What in the world should be your position? Notice, when you come out of your wilderness test, your wilderness experience, you should be more willing to unmute your testimony and get loud. Let people know. Let the world know. Because you are the authenticity of your testimony. You are the walking, talking evidence. Let them know, oh, you can get over that addiction because I did. You can get out of that financial hardship because I did. You can get that degree while working full time because I did. You can break that generational curse because I did. 
You can raise mannerable, God-loving children as a single parent because I did. You can get over that hurt because I did. You can get over that sadness. Why? Because I did. That depression, you can get over it. You can recover from it. Why? Because I did. That divorce, oh, baby, you can get over it. My brother, you can get over it. Why? Because I did. Learn to love yourself. Oh, it was hard at first. But when I came out of that wilderness, I realized you can do it. And you can do it. Why? Because I did. Oh, here's one to the positive. You can enjoy your blessings and not feel guilty about it. Why? Because I did. I used to be like that. God bless me. I want to hide it because people won't understand. God bless me because my family going to tell me I didn't got the big head. I used to hide my blessings, have to enjoy my goodness that God has blessed me with in the dark. But you can be a person that stands up and have the blessings of God dripping from you like water in the rain and not be guilty about it. You can do it. Why? Because I did. And we're not talking about just past tense. A lot of times we think of testimony in past tense, but flip that on the devil. Hey, you can get over that addiction because I am getting through it. I'm getting through mine. Financial hardship, I still go through them, but I'm getting through it. And you know what? You can get through it, too. I am still trying to get that degree. I should have had it two years ago. But you know what? I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. One class at a time. One semester at a time. I still got my eye on the goal. You can start right now and you can get it too. Why? I don't have mine right now, but I double dog dare you to try to convince me I won't get it because I won't quit. You can break that generational curse. I know you've been in the jail over and over and over again and they tell your children going to do the same thing. But you know what? Get this. I've been locked up, but I told myself I ain't going back. And I told myself my children won't go. And I told myself if I can help somebody else not go, I'm going to do that. You know what? I fell into the curse pit, but it ain't going to happen no more. And I'm starting with these right here that God is going to let me raise up. I'm still hurting. I still cry every night. I still weep like it's fresh. But you can get through it because I am, listen, getting through it. Yeah, my kids still cut up. I'm a single parent and it sucks. I hate it. It wasn't designed to be this way. But you know what? When they fall asleep at night, I still pray over them. When they fall asleep at night, I still look forward to the next day. When they fall asleep at night, I still say my God is able. I am getting through it. You can get through it too. From sadness to depression to divorce to learning to love yourself to enjoying your blessings. I haven't arrived yet. But I am still walking this thing out with God and he is faithful. When you share that it helps people. The ripple effect. It goes through the kingdom of darkness. It goes through the kingdom of light. And God gets the glory from it. But you got to be willing to speak it. 
You got to be willing to share. And we're not just talking about other people. It helps you, too. When you share your testimony, what you're doing is you're stripping the devil of that fear. He wants you to believe that that fear can can somehow hurt you again. But you know what? No, no, baby. No, baby. No, baby. Because when I share it. Guess what? You learn that as you see God's purpose being done. We're not saying that the pain goes away, but the joy increases. Your strength in talking about it increases. When you first talked about it, you were scared and you 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 shook. When you talked about it next time, you might have cried and your hands may have shook a little bit, but you wasn't sweating. By the third time you're talking about it, you're kind of a little shy about it, but you're saying it without tears. By the fourth time, you're standing a little straighter and you're talking more bold. By the fifth time, you're talking to three people. By the sixth or seventh time, you're talking to a congregation. By the time you get to number 12, doggone it, you got your own YouTube channel telling everybody about what God has done for you. Family, I want you to do something because your testimony has something to say. You need to let it speak. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Look at this next image. Family, for each and every person, you got a testimony. But for many of you, you kept that testimony and is still keeping that testimony confined in you because of how it might make you look for people to know. Because of if you visit that place again in your heart and in your mind, you don't know if you're going to be able to make it. You don't want to go back there. I've made it through those tears before. I've made it through that pain before. That's separate from my life today. But you got to be willing to share that testimony. Oh, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Because, loved ones, it's about your testimony being released into the earth. I'm going to pray for you to have courage. Courage to tell somebody, yes, it was hard, but God was faithful. To tell somebody, I made it through, you can make it through too. To tell somebody, I am still standing here because I did not give up. Nobody knows your testimony like you. So, we're not going to have you come forward, but if you know you have a testimony in you, I want you to stand to your feet. If you know, and family, this is not for show. This is not to get everybody to stand up. But if you know that you have a testimony in you, stand to your feet. God, I thank you for each and every person. Who is the vessel of a testimony. That testimony is the walking, talking evidence that you're faithful, that you're true to your word, that even though it's hard, they, that you can make it through. Fear 
concern about what people are going to think, concern about what it's going to look like, has kept them, some of them, from releasing that testimony into the world. That testimony, God in your hands, is a powerful spiritual force. We pray courage for them to release it. Even if they just release it to one, the ripple effect is real. Because you never know who that one is going to come in contact with. Once you release that testimony, it gives God the opportunity to have one touch one. And have that one that touched one now touch two. And the ripple effect that has begun will begin to change lives for the better. They have no reason to fear. Because that testimony, God. In your hands will do something mighty for the kingdom. Oh, yeah, we pray courage for them. And in praying courage for them, we want their testimonies to begin to roll off their tongue immediately as you direct. And we look forward to them telling us what their testimony is doing in this earth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and family, give God some praise. Now as that continues to play and to begin to wrap up, there is something that I want to share with you. And I want to share this just as God gave it to me. Listen to this closely. Because it's about clarity. It's about balance. It's about making sure that as your pastor, I don't release you wildly, wildly into the earth. Here is what God wants me to share. Always be led by God to share your testimony. What we are doing here today, this is not a request to make your life an open book or to share your past with everybody you meet. Everyone is not mature enough to hear your truth and afterwards still see you better. By the same token, every person does not have your best interest at heart and may seek to turn your testimony that you share with them into a weapon against you. Therefore, let all of your sharing of your testimony be God led. If you do so, God will deal with any weapon that tries to form against you. But once again. Be sensitive to his spirit and let the sharing of your testimony be God led. Final image for you on that note. Family. Family. 
we talked about Moses and how Moses was scared to go back to the place in the, place in the past where he feared, the place he was afraid of. In Exodus 4, verse 19 in the voice, before God finally releases Moses to do it after Moses finally agreed, the Bible says this. The eternal spoke to Moses while he was still in Midian. The eternal one or God said, go back. Everybody say, go back. Go back, go back to Egypt. I assure you, all the men who wanted to kill you are no longer alive. Family, you can go back to that place of pain with God. God says you can go back there with me. Moses, all those people that wanted to hurt you, they're not there no more. Family, those memories that used to haunt you with pain can't haunt you no more. All you need to do is make sure when you go back, you be God led and go back with God. If God asks you to revisit a place. Know that he has equipped you to deal with anything that that place has to bring. There are people who still are afraid to address things and use their testimony because of something that happened to them when they were five years old. And you're an adult now. We don't make light of the pain. But what we're saying is now that you are a child of the king. Now that God, the Holy Spirit, resides on the inside of you, when he opens up your heart to share that testimony and you go back to that place again in your heart and in your mind, know that the God you serve. What did you tell Moses before in, in Exodus three? He says, Moses. Verse 12 voice, do not fear, Moses. I will be with you every step of the way. Loved ones, as you share your testimonies, it's not always going to be comfortable. You might sometimes be shaking in your boots before you share it. Thinking about how people might view you, think about that you're going to have to think about it again or somehow emotionally go through it again. But know this, your God is with you. And releasing that testimony into the world will change people's lives for the better. I love you so much. Say this with me. Say starting today. Starting today as, God leads, as God leads. I will. I will unmute, unmute. My testimony. My testimony, my testimony has something to say. And I'm going to let it speak. Family, love you. Let's pray. God, thank you for each and every person here. And our prayer today, God, is specific and very simple. Give them the sensitivity to hear from you on when and how to share the testimony that they have. And we believe that with that testimony in your hands, you in turn will help many, many people 
and the body of Christ will grow and become stronger because of it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.